this segment presented by Busey Bank. And we are thrilled to have our next guest on the line. You know, I haven't kept an official tally, but my guess is of all the former Illini players and coaches, we have referred to him more than any other because his departure, as we look back, was really a watershed moment for the Illinois football program. So many times we have said, this is the first time Illinois has done X since John Makovic was coach. He joins Mike White and legendary Bob Zupke as the only Illini head coaches in the last century to put together four straight winning seasons. Coach John Makovic, welcome to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's always good to talk to the Illini. That's right. <laughs> and we love, we love talking to you. I've got to ask first off, uh, did, did I read that you have coached recently in, in Italy? Where are you now and what are, what are you doing now? Well, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada now. Uh, I lived 20 years in California, but I moved over here like a lot of Californians. But I did, uh, I did get approached by uh, some people in Italy to coach their national team because I had been over there doing some clinics and I agreed to do it. So I did it for a year, but what they really needed after a year, they, they were not very well organized. And I put together a package of really a, an annual calendar for them so they could work with their players, find their players. They did, there were players that some guys were 40 years old, but they needed to be replaced. They were, they were, they were well, not Brady old, but <laughs> they were a little older. And so I put together a package for them. And then the, the gentleman who was my offensive coordinator, whom I felt should have been the head coach, uh, we turned it over to him and he's moved on from there. And they've done quite well in the last couple of years. I, I've been real pleased to follow them. Yeah, well, we've had about 30 years where we've wanted you to put together a package for the <laughs> University of Illinois football team. So um, if you could, you know, now that we, maybe we've got the right guy here, but um, it, it, we've been uh, wanting that for a while. I, I guess my question for you is, what makes Illinois, uh, what's been the problem? Why has it been so difficult for Illinois to be good in football. I mean, when you were there, obviously you're coming off the eighties and you take over uh, and it's successful, but what, what has been the problem for Illinois over the past uh, 30 years of football? Yeah. I, I don't know if I would look at everything like it's a problem. Uh, it's a challenge. That's for sure. Uh, a couple of things fell right into my uh, lap when I came to Champaign. Number one was a guy named Lou Tepper was looking for a new, a new challenge. And I was told by a mutual friend, call Lou and see if he would be interested in coming as defensive coordinator. And I did. And that was singly the best thing that happened to me when I was there. Lou is an outstanding, he's more than that. He was a great fit for me. We, we understood each other. I didn't butt into what he was doing. He told me what he was doing. He could shadow everything. He could be tough when he had to be tough, but he was so smart. 
And he coached defense a little differently from a lot of other people at that time. And I let him go and do it. And we got along just great. And I brought a, a different look to Illinois at that time too. The Big Ten was really a run-oriented conference and I brought a, a forward passing game and something that I believed in and had worked on for, you know, making better and better as I went along and it just fit in. And then there, I, I forget, they, they had this quarterback kid there and he turned out to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not bad. Uh, well, not, not George, hey, by the way, I am so proud. He's going into the Illinois Sports Hall of Fame this year. Uh, I I sent I called him and left the message. He returned the call. What a great player he was for us. And uh, we had some very interesting stories as well. Well, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself, but I thought about trying to stop you from going to Texas when you left because we we knew what we had with a, an excellent coach. Um, when it came to to you know transitioning when you when you you were doing both the AD role and the head coaching role how did you balance those two things cuz to me there's so few people who would even consider doing that let alone being successful at it what was what was the key to doing that well again things just happened to fall right into place for me uh, carol cars was there and Carol took care of the women's sports wonderfully, but she was a great team player. She was a first-class team player, and that made that part of it easy. Uh, Dana Brenner was in position, and he handled the finances, and Dana was real bright. And then we hired, or I did, I guess, uh, Bob Todd who had been at the university, but had been very good friends with a lot of the people in the athletic department and understood it. And I reached out to him to see if he would be interested in coming over and sort of be the uh, chief of staff or uh, you know, the top assistant. And he said, gee, I'd love to do that. And Bob, between Bob and Carol and Dana, uh, they made my life so much easier because they understood what I wanted and what I believed in, and they carried it out. And if there was a problem ever, they never hesitated. I said, come and see me, come. We'll talk about that. But they handled so many minuscule things that a lot of it was taken care of, and I didn't have to worry about it. When I, when I talked to the coaches, now that was one thing that I always felt compelled to have a direct relationship with the coaches because I was a coach myself. And I always told the coaches two things. Number one, don't cheat. If you cheat, you won't stay. Uh, I, and there's no exception to that. And number two, don't spend your money twice. Meaning if we give you the money and you decide you'd like to spend more on recruiting than on uniforms, okay but don't spend it and then tell me you need new uniforms because we're not getting new uniforms. You're going to have to live with what you have. So you can't spend your money twice. Uh, and as we went into it, you know, we were about $2 million in debt 
And the chancellor, Mort Weir said, now, really the most important thing I want you to pay attention to is getting, getting rid of this uh, $2,000, $2 million debt. And I said, okay. So we sat down and I asked Dana and Bob and Carol, what, what's an average attendance at our games? And they echoed, all of them said, about 54,000 people. We, we can average about 54,000 people right now. I said, okay, we'll set our budget up for that. And said, make our budget out so we can live on 54,000. And we did that. And with the help of the university, who did forgive uh, a few of our debts as well, we balanced that budget in really about two years. Wow. And we also had a lot more people in the stands too, and that helped. So we, we made some money and we saved some money. <laughs> Talking with uh, the great John McAvick, former coach of the Illini for, uh, for four seasons uh, in the late 80s and, and early 90s here on this uh, segment presented by Busey Bank. Uh, Coach, you mentioned uh, some guy that I think he wore number one. He was a kid from Indianapolis, pretty good player. Uh, Jeff George went on to be the number one uh, pick of the NFL draft um, in, in 91. Um, and he, I believe, had already transferred over from Purdue by yes. Mike White. And then when you got there, you had the good fortune to have him there. What was very interesting um, was, you know, there was the rule back then, and I'm not sure uh, now that that if you transferred, you I think you could only you had if, if you if you took a scholarship, you had to sit out two years, and so as a result, he wound up paying his own way, uh, so he could only sit out one year. Am I, do I have that correct? I don't know exactly. Okay, if that's correct. I know he only had to sit out one year. Yeah, it's been a. It's, and that's pretty, yeah. yeah, that's the way it was pretty much everywhere around the country. Yeah, and I, and, I, and it, the rules may have changed now, but my, my point is is that it's it's interesting. Something you wrote recently about quarterbacks in the transfer portal. Right now, there are so many major programs all over the country that have player quarterbacks they got out of the portal, including Illinois with Tommy DeVito, though he's a, a grad student. Um, talk about just the the game today and how the transfer portal has changed things, um, where you can have a player like Spencer Rattler who begins last season as a Heisman candidate loses a starting job. And then not only does he leave Oklahoma, but the guy who replaced him also leaves. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. Well, what's crazy is how many quarterbacks left USC. Right. <laughs> there are three or four of them <laughs> playing around everywhere. The transfer portal is it's free agency, but it's free agency in the sense, uh, even more free than the NFL. Uh, in the NFL, they have restricted free agency and they have things like that. But in college football, you just put your name or college athletics, all of it, just put your name in the portal. And that then that list can be brought up by anybody else and they can go ahead and start recruiting you. And that coupled with the NIL, the name, image and likeness. Uh, resolution has made college athletics, I hate to say professional, but they're about as professional as they can be. And that's really what it's boiled down to. And some people have made different comments 
about other teams and coaches and what they've done to help get the players to their campus. Once they get into the portal, then they start talking about the NIL and the coach, of course, the coaches on defense are saying, no, we, we've never bought anybody. We've never done anything. But how, how can you not pay attention when you ask a coach, well, does anybody on your team have a, a, a program NIL agreement? And they say, well, yeah, well, this guy's making $500,000 and this guy over here is making 250,000. Our whole offensive line eats for free you know, at two different restaurants every week besides getting money to sign autographs. And you begin to think, well, now, wait a minute. I, that wasn't really what we were talking about several years ago, but everyone, everyone defends the fact that the athletes should be getting something. And I'm old school. And I know that over the years, the NCAA working through its members uh, has worked hard to upgrade the benefits to student athletes. And it has not been able to keep up with the, the charge of let's get money, let's put money, cash in their pockets. And it's a little disconcerting to some of us, me in particular, but I'm living with it. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, Mike and I would like to get the free food. We, we've said that many times that that's all yes. we need. And we'd be, we'd be set if we got the free, free, free buffets or something like that, we'd be good to go. But as you look at the, the you know, we go through this new era of college football and you've got a guy who at Illinois now and Brett Bielema, who he won, he was very successful previously is obviously at Wisconsin, but it's almost like he was successful in a different era at Wisconsin because of how much the game has changed in the past 10 years with the NIL transfer portal and things like that. Um, what are your thoughts so far on what he's done uh, at Illinois? The best thing that Brent, uh, Brett, not Brent, Brett, Bielema did for his football program, is this his third year? Second year. Second year. Okay. I lost track of it. In his first year, and I can't remember what game it was, they ran the ball every single down. Oh, well, it seems like it. Over and over and over. And they were behind. And then they pounded and they pounded and they pounded. And guess what? They actually won that game. And I can't remember which one it was. And I said to many of my friends, he encouraged more recruits to come to Illinois with that game plan than probably anything he did. And I said, well, well, why? I said, because he established that Illinois football was going to be rugged and rock'em, sock'em, tough football. And I've always said, you cannot make it too tough on the kids at Illinois. The kids that come to Illinois, they are not spoon-fed. They're hard, tough football players and you can hit them and challenge them and just do anything they will play in the toughest of games and that's what he did and I think it's beginning to pay off now, I don't know Brett 
myself. I remember when he was at Wisconsin as an assistant and then as the head coach, and then he went to Arkansas. And well, you know, sometimes you're the best of coaches and it just isn't the right situation. For me, Illinois was exactly what I needed and what I could do. I've been at a couple places that it wasn't so good. One question I wanted to ask you is, is we have all this expansion and contra conferences realigning. And a lot of people don't realize it, but when you were at Texas, you guys switched from the Southwest Conference over into the Big 12. Correct. What the heck is that like for these <laughs> coaches who are going to be facing this change? And did you? how did you deal with it? And what were your thoughts? We just changed the schedule. <laughs> That's all you can do. You just say, well, let's change the schedule. I was, I was at Illinois when Penn State came in to the Big Ten. Yep. And we went to an, a director's meeting in Chicago. And Jim Delaney, who was the commissioner at that time, said, I can tell you something today that I could not have told you several weeks ago, and that is Penn State is going to join the Big Ten Conference. Well, almost all of the athletic directors were really incensed because Jim had not come and told us first. And he said, gentlemen, I work for the presidents. And the presidents told me not to disclose this to anyone, and I didn't. And that's what kind of guy Jim Delaney was. I had, uh, thought the world of him. So we started talking about everything. And, well, when are they going to join the conference? And someone said, oh, gee, it's going to be four or five years. You know, we have schedules here and we have contracts there. And one particular director of athletics said, wait a minute. They got to be in here within two years. You can't be waiting waiting four and five years. Change the schedules if you have to, but we need to get this thing done within two years. And I'll let and we did. And I'll let you ask Jim Delaney who that was. <laughs> but I have an inkling. <laughs> when you talk about expansion, what are your thoughts on? Uh, having USC, UCLA, these West Coast teams, maybe it's just a schedule change, change but is that, that going to be uh, the travel and, and the this going cross-country? And maybe it's not as big a deal in football, but from your athletic director experience, you, I mean, maybe in basketball and, and the minor sports, is that going to be much more difficult for these teams? Certainly the budgets are going to change. The travel budgets, that's really the big change how much money you're going to spend with your teams to travel. And again, the women's sports, because of Title IX, travel just like the men. So if the men's basketball team goes out to play Gonzaga on the West Coast, the women's basketball team will head to the West Coast as well to play a game. So that's the biggest issue. Uniforms, practice, those things will stay pretty much the same. But travel budgets are going to change significantly. I offered up my plan for a change in college football about a decade ago, maybe even longer than that. And I would have had eight conferences of 
eight to 10 teams each. And you would have a conference championship in each conference. And those winners then would go into the subsequent playoff. This was even before the playoffs. I believe we'll get to that very soon. Uh, I believe that the team, UCLA and USC coming to the Big Ten is not something that everybody will be excited about forever. I think that we'll, we'll probably call some of the programs that can't keep up and reduce the number of teams in what you would call the power five. It's probably going to wind up being a power eight. And it would not surprise me to see the Big Ten members moving to a different conference themselves to balance the, well, the framework and just the ability to travel a little closer and make things a little easier to get along. The money, you know, money is evil, we say. <laughs> money in itself isn't evil, but what we do with it, <laughs> made, it's made things so easy. I was back at Illinois two years ago for a football game. It was uh, Brett's first year and Wisconsin was undefeated. And I was there and I went into the press box. I was amazed. I said, wow, NFL teams don't have stadium press boxes like this. Look at these luxury suites. There was food, there was drink, there was, I mean, it was, a, I said, gee, I'd love to be in a place like this. This is wonderful. Well, without money, you can't do that. But the Big Ten's cut of their television money in all sports is very generous, as I think you fellas know. Yeah, if, if somebody could just get to Purdue so we get a little better sandwiches before the game's over there in basketball, goodness <laughs> gracious. But anyway, I, I have one last question for you, Coach. And, yes. and you, you, cannot, you cannot overestimate the number of times that an Illini football fan says, well, you know, we haven't been that good since Coach McAvick was here. We haven't had a coach who can coach both sides of the ball since Coach McAvick was here. Have you ever one time, I know we can't go back in time, but have you ever one time thought, wonder what would have happened if I would have stayed at Illinois? Because Lord knows a lot of, a lot of Illini fans have molded that for hours <laughs> upon hours. <laughs> well, tell them to spend their time thinking about Brett Bielema. Okay. I, ne I never have looked back. Things didn't go as well right away when I made the move and obviously it ended well, with a crash. And I don't know, I, it, it was something that I felt at that time was appropriate for me, but I know this, I could have stayed at Illinois and been just as happy as I ever was anywhere, as long as Lou Tepper stayed <laughs> because yep. he could coach that defense. And uh, we, we were recruiting, we were getting good players. We were getting people in the stands. The fans enjoyed our game. 
and we threw it a lot. We, we, you know, I, I like passing the football. I always have. And I was thinking this afternoon, maybe I should have run the ball a little more. <laughs> nah, forget it. No. I, I like that uh, ever, I don't know how long it's been uh, that I just felt this, it's the, oh, it's the greatest equalizer in football, the forward pass. Yeah. Think about it. But it, it's the greatest equalizer there is. So if you're playing as an underdog a lot, uh, the, the chances of your beating down the favorite all the time, uh, those chances are not very good. So throwing, passing, having an innovative attack, uh, that air raid that they all talk about. And I will say this, okay, maybe I shouldn't, but I'll say it. I read this week, how great USC is doing with his wonderful new coach and his wonderful new air raid and how everything they're doing. Lincoln Riley is a terrific coach. He also brought in, what, 32 players yeah. this year, something like that, from all over the country. Uh, what One game, they showed a map of where the players came from. They came from everywhere in the country. Yeah. And the air raid was not invented necessarily by him. And I, I'm not, I'm not, what's the right word? I'd like to always get the right word. I'm not disregarding how well he has done and how well he will do, but the way the players can move today mm -hmm. allows some teams to load up pretty fast. And uh, USC, I mean, what the heck? It's a pretty nice place out there. And they have great facilities. They have everything they need. And they, they made full use of the portal. No question about that. This is true. You know, one of my favorite uh, games during your tenure was early in your last year when Houston came to town and David Klingler. And I think the final was like 51 to seven. It was just a, I think that was it. You like that game. I love that game. Yeah, don't you? Yeah. I was, I was, <laughs> I love that game. Just, you know what happened? They had their spring game and this big newspaper story came out about David Klingler had thrown for like three miles yeah. or something. I forget what it Crazy number. And I took that newspaper article and I cut it out and I put it in the locker room. We're going to have to play this guy. I was, I, I was not confident in the sense that we're going to blow him away. But I told the team during the week, I said, see this play right here? Can you play make that play that well? Well, yeah. Well, if you made it once, can you not make it twice? And they said, well, yeah, I guess so. I said, well, and if you can make it two times, could you not make it three? <laughs> they said, okay, what, what are you talking about? I said, what I'm talking about is you take it one play at a time, you beat them one play at a time, and we're going to beat them, and we'll win. And little did I ever guess that you were right on the score. 51 wow. to seven. Yeah. And I, afternoon game. It was more fun. Yeah. 
I believe uh, ABC national game too. I mean, it just was, yeah. it was fun. Uh, coach, uh, I boy, I hate to be the uh, bearer of bad news. The guys looking at me, give me dirty looks, but we are out of time. Unfortunately, John McAvick, it has been a thrill to have you on the show. Please come back and, and chat with us again. I will. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you guys. I'm going to call Purdue and have them send over those special sandwiches. <laughs> and, and so when you get a break, you can have them. Okay. There you go. That's Kegley. Wow. C-A-G-L-E-Y. Coach, thanks so much. The coach, yeah. John. Mack. Anytime. Anytime, uh, please. Great to talk uh, with you here. I love the line. I always will. And, and the Illini loves you back. Uh, we can yes. tell you that. Mike's right that there's not a conversation that, that's had that your name doesn't come up at some point. He is the coach, Sean McAvick. By the, by the way, the only Illinois coach to ever be on the sidelines for bowl games in three consecutive seasons. Remember those days yeah. uh, when it, it wasn't if you'd go to a bowl, but which one? Uh, they're coming back. And Brett, we trust. We believe that. And even coach uh, agrees with us on that. Great to yep. talk with Coach on this segment uh, presented by Busey Bank. We'll hear from Brett Bielema and his post-game remarks is still on the way. You're listening to the Illini Guys Radio Network.